While many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn, light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org slash give. Ladies and gents, jazz up your New Year's Eve with the renowned Jeff Hamilton Organ Trio. Swing in the New Year at the Lincoln Theater with an unforgettable evening of soulful Hammond B3 organ sounds by Akiko, Saruga, and dynamic guitar work by Steve Kolbachek, led by renowned drummer Jeff Hamilton. This trio is a powerhouse of talent that will get you moving and grooving into 2024 with style. Join us December 29th at the Lincoln Theater. Visit jazzartsgroup.org for tickets and information. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw, and it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone, and caught for the touchdown. Play action. Allen. Deep downfield, wide open. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt. We got a front seven action-packed show today. Wanted to get this episode in before two weeks from now, Mike. There is, to me, some key positions to talk about today. But first, before we get into it, this show is brought to you by Sons of Erie. Check it out, www.instagram.com slash Sons of Erie. A really cool special guest coming next week to the show. We'll get into that a little bit more later, too. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited for the Sabres game. Still alive going into game 80. It's April. 40 wins for the first time in 12 years. But we're here to talk football and then enjoy some hockey afterwards. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped for our guest next week. I'm pretty pumped to see Tommy Doyle come on the show. We'll have Tommy Doyle here live in studio the Going Deep podcast next week here at 7 o'clock. We're going to talk O-line. We're going to talk a special um, tournament they're working on with our sponsor, uh, Sons of Erie. They're working on a special bocce tournament in Buffalo. That should be fun, and he'll get into some of those details. Maybe talk about his draft experience. Maybe talk about the Mac. I'm sure Mike, I'm sure Mike will, not let him, will not let him leave without bringing up something to do with it. All-star match and panel, Kev. You know, you got yeah. UB there. You got 
uh, with you, Miami, Ohio, with Tommy, Ohio University with me. I'm sure we can get a little battle of the bricks, some some smack talk, uh, Max and yeah. Absolutely. So I'm pretty excited to have Tommy on the show next week. So maybe we'll get into uh, what position he hopes to play, um, where he sees himself fit. Is he going to go back to the six offensive lineman? So next week's going to be an, uh, an offensive line edition. So we'll keep all of our prospects, our talk, all of our uh, one week prior. We're going to get into uh, tackle. We're going to get into guard, maybe a little bit in center. We'll talk a lot more about that and what Tommy sees from Cromer and a couple of that other stuff here live on the show next week. So make sure you turn into that brought to you by Sons of Erie next week here at seven o'clock to our normal time, seven o'clock. Uh, today, we are uh, pushed up an hour uh, due to we want to make sure everyone catches one of the biggest Sabres games. We say, say this once a week, one of the biggest Sabres games uh, of in the last 10 years. But I, I really do think I say that more than I should. But so we'll let people get get to that game here on the top of the hour. But we got a lot to talk about, Mike. And it's front seven day, one of my favorite days because. You know the Bills like their front seven. You know they're going to do something here. Uh, it's just, what are they going to do? Let's try our best to break it down. And I wanted to start right in the middle of the defense with the defensive tackle position. They have, you know, eight. We have producer AJ in the background. He's tracked some of or all of the visits to date right now. They seem to be loading up a little bit on those mid round fourth fifth, maybe into the third, depending on how the board falls. Defensive tackle. It's an interesting position because, Mike, you don't have room to play this player. You have four defensive tackles. You have four that were fairly high-priced that are going to play and be active on game days. Obviously, Ed Oliver, we'll see what happens with his situation, but there's no evidence that he'll be traded, especially I saw the return of Jeff Akuda getting traded for a fifth-round pick. That doesn't motivate me an extra amount to make sure they unload Ed Oliver for a fifth-round pick. That's not the ball game I'm playing in right now. You have Daquan Jones. You actually, uh, obviously have the newly signed Jordan Phillips, whose deal's a little bit smaller than the, like the $4 million that was reported. Um, so you have a pretty good slew. And then obviously you have Tim Settle coming back on a $4 million deal restructure to stay. So they have plans for him, or they would have cut him. Uh, that guaranteed more money and basically secured his roster spot. So four defensive tackles. They do look like they want to add a fifth. I don't know how much you can get on the field, Mike. So what's your opinion on it? But all the four of those are on a one-year deal. Where do you stand at defensive tackle? It looks like the Bills are pretty interested. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with what they're currently at. I Obviously, you guys know me. I'm all for keeping Oliver, bring him into uh, the fold and seeing what he can do in a contract year. Daquan Jones, as you mentioned, had a fantastic year last year battling uh, double teams and also being able to, to win a decent amount uh, against those Settle, Phillips, decent backups. I know Settle had a poor year last year, didn't really live up to uh, expectations in year one in Buffalo. But I don't hate what the Bills have at D-tackle and overall what they have on their D-line. Can they get better? Yes. What type of investment level will the Bills uh, make going forward in this draft? Would they be willing to take uh, a D-tackle or someone in the first or second round? I wouldn't completely rule something out 100%. But like you said, with the depth that they have there, I, I wouldn't expect that to be the route that they go. But there are some good guys that uh, if they fall to them on the board, who knows, it could make some of their decisions uh, a little more difficult. But I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it at this moment. I think there is a difficult decision to make because you are balancing future outcomes with the ability to play them now. Because – 
you're on a one-year deal. What's the point if you're going to sign to a one-year deal, call it settle in this case? What was the point in keeping him if you're going to inactivate him on game days when you could have just cut him? So to me, I think that they need to address defensive tackle, but I don't know that it can come in a premium asset this year. I really think that if they let three of the four of these guys go, we can focus on free agency defensive tackle position as well as the draft next year, have someone in the pipeline this year, but I don't think that you can – designate a first or second round pick here third would be the absolute earliest and i do believe the prospects they're looking at are more three to six right now third to six range so it, it, they they seem to want more of a true one tack too which may might get this player on the field a little bit earlier so that's kind of really where i'm thinking is they need that true versatile one tack who can clog holes who can multiple can be multiple on the defensive tackle front, but they don't need to comp- another competitor like a Kalijah can see competitor to Ed Oliver, who might be more of that penetrating three tack. So you look down the list of players they might be interested in Zach Pickens from South Carolina, six four two ninety one, a guy that could come in and could be an immediate number one. Uh, uh, sorry, one tack. Um, you got uh, Jacqueline, uh, Jacqueline Roy coming in from LSU six three three oh five, another guy that has the ability to one tack. And Gar, uh, Gervin Dexter, 6'6", from Florida. Three guys the Bills are bringing in. They're serious about their visits, at least with this regime. That's also what's interesting about our discussion days. We'll get into linebacker in a little bit later. But they're more looks like they're more tackling that middle tier that that I have those guys ranked like, like 9 to 12 right now in the defensive tackle rankings. That's not your Jalen Carters, your Kalijah Cantys, you know, your Smiths, your Bentons, your Breeses, you know, your uh, C.I. Kaikas. Um, those are really your top six. I don't believe they play in the first two rounds, Mike. Do you, do you agree? Or do you think like, no, nah, I, I want a defensive tackle because, you know, we need someone in the system right now. That's effective. I, I, I'm mostly with you. I wouldn't rule it out a hundred percent because I know a lot of people are intrigued by guys like Mazzy Smith out of Michigan and names like yeah. that. But whenever I look at, how, what the Bills really should attack uh, in in this draft, it always comes up to the, the same three positions. You need to get a, an inside linebacker. You need to probably add another offensive tackle, right tackle, and then wide receiver. And you look at when is the time to hit on those guys, and you're looking at first round and second round. So that wouldn't leave room for a, a defensive tackle at that point in time. Or, or defensive lineman. I'm not saying that they can't do it, but like you said, some of the guys that they've talked to looks more like third, fourth round uh, guys at the current moment. Things can change, but I feel like the the aforementioned three positions that I said are going to be the way the Bills go uh, day one and then early day two. So when you kind of analyze the best way to build your draft board and you know, something we talk about all the time is draft rankings. We see draft boards, you see players, you know, on your PFF simulators, on all the different simulators across the sports land where someone, you know, you see him 31st overall on the draft board and you're like, okay, that's, that's fair. That's about what I'm expecting, you know, to take. But then you start to see guys in the forties and the fifties and you start to say, well, those are reaches these guys, there's no way we're considering them. I think with the grading system and really the way it's graded from about 25 to 30, it's about where the bills pick till about 60, 50. These guys are marginal ranking differences. And what I see as a scout, 
could be different than what the Panther scout sees. Therefore these boards could be all jumbled up. And when it's a larger variance, that means that you're going to see guys that are on PFF board or other boards in the forties and fifties and sixties getting taken in the late twenties. And that's just happens to be where the bills pick. So, you know, as you, as you think about defense specifically today, and, you know, you mentioned one need that they have at the linebacker position, maybe at edge, and then maybe filling in defensive tackle. How can they rank out these positions? They only have six picks right now. The last thing you can do is trade an Ed Oliver to create another hole just because you want to draft the defensive. Like, Cause everyone's like, well, where are this defensive tackle going to fit? We got to get rid of Ed Oliver. Well, sure. But then you're using a premium pick. You're trading Ed, who, you know, who we don't know what for right now. You're creating a hole and it just all doesn't make a ton of sense. Free agency is essentially over. The money you would save there was the original benefit. And, you know, I guess if you're eyeing like a Hopkins, like, sure, I guess that would be the scenario where, you know, maybe at Oliver getting moved makes sense. But outside of something like that, I don't see the huge benefit to moving him in his 10 and a half right now. So I think he sticks on the roster. It's not going to be a fifth round pick. If that's all that they're getting offered, I would expect to see him in September and beyond unless someone's going to come with a high day two pick. So that's my rant on that. And I know Akuda got traded and everyone's like, well, let's do the same thing. Well, that wasn't very enticing to me. I think Ad has also played better and, and been healthier than Jeff Akuda uh, was in Detroit. So as you go down defensive tackle, I haven't entertained a top 60 defensive tackle. In my mind, I know Keanu Benton's a really trendy one, 6'4", 309 from Wisconsin. It's a guy that can do everything. He's got a grade about in the 40s. I don't know that. I don't think he'd be there in the second. He'd probably he'd be one of those guys that would be one of those 40s to 50s guys that will probably end up being a first-round pick. Um, so are you really going to inject a first-round pick, whether it's Cansey or Benton? I'm not sure what's going to go on with Carter. I still think he's top five, but I, I guess I don't know. Mozzie Smith, Brian Brisey, like Those are the guys that are right there. And right now, I, I just can't swing the, the, the trigger on putting another defensive tackle of that magnitude into the into the system i think they have needs elsewhere i think you touched on a Mike. and my opinion is right now i'm gonna target i'm gonna hope and target that like a, a garvin dexter is available in the fourth round and i think that's the perfect person to put in, in the system right now who can do a lot of different things if he goes in the second great good for him um but that's not where i'm willing to make an investment right now at the defensive tackle position let's tackle it next year when we can inject that player to the starting lineup and we'll worry about it then because you're going to have your eight draft picks now with the third round compensation pick. Let's think about it at that point uh, when that player would get premium positional time and premium draft value. Right now it's not it. We're going to put them in the cupboard only to not play like Terrell Bernard. That doesn't make sense. We have a lot of people that argue that, well, why'd you take Terrell Bernard? You know, you know, he didn't play at all. Like the Chiefs play all their draft picks. Well, you want to, you're asking to do the same thing at defensive tackle right now, where maybe this guy plays two to three games, maybe rotates based on a game plan or something, but he's not going to see a lot of action. Maybe if it's your first round pick, then you're just getting goofy with asset management. So I want to talk about edge now, Mike, because I'm, I'm looking at Dexter in the fourth as the way I want to go at defensive tackle. At the end of the day, is that is that plan sound smart, Mike? Do you, is that about the range you, you're going to go defensive tackle fourth? Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I, like you said, sorry, I lost my focus for a second. So windy outside, I had a chair just flying right, <laughs> right in front of my window. So it was freaking out. in Kansas over there. <laughs> I, I feel like the Wizard of Oz with everything flying around me. But 
Uh, but yeah, fourth round, third round, I'm willing to take defensive lineman at that time. Not really rushing to do anything uh, okay. prior to that. Last year, when we looked at the Bills roster, we thought that they were in a position where they could stack a player like Bernard or, or Khalil Shakir and have them have a developmental year where they could learn behind other players. This year, you look at the Bills roster, we don't think it's necessarily a Super Bowl winning roster at this moment. So there are holes that they can address while getting top end talent. I wouldn't be going at positions just stacking guys at this moment. So, yeah, be patient. Like you said, there's a bunch of guys when you're looking at that third round grade, fourth round grade that fit right in that area. How much really separates them? Is it really worth investing big at the position for a guy that is going to have a battle in front of him with Phillips, Settle, so forth on this team um, just to get playing time? So, yeah, I'm pass on defensive linemen early, but it could still happen. I'm I'm not going to say it won't happen, but – Definitely not my number one priority. Yeah, all they've brought in right now is, like I said, uh, Roy Dex- uh, Dexter and Pickens. No defensive ends that have been brought in. The, the Bills generally draft from their visitors list. So we're, we're keeping tabs on it right now. Um, so those are only the three defensive linemen. We've brought in, in zero linebackers so far. And interesting news does take a hit for, like, as stupid as that sounds, it does take a hit for me to officially feel like they are waiting the second or the third to run linebacker uh that's that's where i stand we'll get it a little breakdown linebacker in a minute here but i don't feel like it is for sure going to be linebacker they do draft from this even they tried their best even to get zoom visits and during covid and whatever the top 40 visits would count for during that phase they've always drafted from it even under mcdermott like the, the these are these are players they really trust. They, the way they draft and trust in their first-round picks, they like to be in the building, feel it, sense it, see what they do, talk to these guys in person two and three times, maybe at the combine. And the position that still jumps out to me with seven players is a receiver. Uh, to me, I don't believe it's smoke. I do believe that they were very into to OBJ till his price got to where it was. I do believe they had meaningful discussions for Hopkins. And right now they're going to see where the draft there's been rumors of them trading up generally that's smoke, but I do believe maybe people are getting the sense that, well, the bills really like receiver in order to get one of these guys. You can't just sit at 27 and hope that, that they're there, but like real quickly, Hyatt, Dal Smithing, Jigba, Addison flowers and shorter have all took taken visits to one bills drive. Uh, so We'll get into receiver next week. Uh, well, next week's going to be the O line show. We'll we'll talk plenty we'll about receiver. We'll have some time. Yeah, before. draft week. Draft week. You know, I'm getting into receiver uh, a couple of days before the draft because I, I'm going to die in that hill that it's 100 percent top 60. But anyways, uh, as we look at DN, none have came in for a visit. That's interesting. Um, not to say that they're not going to address this position later uh, on in the draft. I kind of stand with defensive tackle. The only outlier here is I think there's more top-end talent at defensive end. Obviously, Yvonne Miller. I think Greg Rousseau is a top-end defense. I do. I think he's growing to be a top, at least a DN1. I'm not saying he's top 10 in the league. I am saying he's a DN1. And you have maybe one of the best defensive ends to ever play the sport. How long is he going to be out is really the is really the the outlier here is how long Von Miller is going to be out. No one knows better than Brandon Bean. I truly think he knows the plan with Von already bearing any type of crazy setbacks. I, I do believe I don't see a Van Ness in the first round, even if he falls, we'll see what happens with miles Murphy. 
we did a cover one um, on Saturday. Uh, last week we did a, a mock draft and uh, you know, we took Will McDonald really early. Wasn't my favorite pick tilt. And um, you know, we went through and that's where they selected. I didn't love it. Um, you know, you have Uzama from Kansas state. You have Byron young from Tennessee, Foskey from Notre Dame, Derek Hall. I've seen mentioned a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Diaby from, from Louisville. So there's definitely some defensive ends that could help. I just don't see it. I, 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 I think that they truly have some hope. They just signed Shaq today. Uh, Shaq Lawson's back in the building, probably took his vet minimum that I was told he was offered. So um, it's, it's, they have enough guys there. And I think that they'll add one maybe later in the draft, or maybe this is the year to try out as a UDFA at some point. Let's see if we can scout late in the draft and nail somebody. The defensive end position is one that sticks out to me that I want to try to nail somebody later in the draft. It's I, I just, it's asset allocation and, and there's a fallacy there just because you missed on Boogie Basham. If you want to call Boogie Basham a miss doesn't mean you can't correct that error, but I'd like to try to correct that error and try to, to, to score, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. There's my Mac mention of the day. A guy I really like what he's able to do um, from the defensive end position. A real good run stopper. He had a really great senior bowl. He's definitely a guy that I'm looking at, at later on in this draft. I've seen him fluctuate up boards. Who knows where he'll end up? Um, where he'll end up in this draft, Mike? So where do you stand at the defensive end position? What do you want to see done, knowing the Von Miller injury? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because we really don't know where Von Miller stands when he's planning on coming back. Obviously, Von is always Mr. Positivity uh, with injuries and expectations and just hoping that if he stays positive, it's going to lead to those type of results. But if Miller is able to return by mid-October, late October, you really don't need to – have a huge investment at the position. I think the Bills feel pretty confident with Greg Rousseau. If Miller can play the second half of the season and into the postseason, you have a decent one-two punch, assuming that Miller is able to return at a decent level. Hopefully, um, obviously his age and combination of injury is a is a concern, but you're hoping you get something out of him. Basham, Epineza, I know fans don't really think highly of them, but – uh, the Bills did invest day two picks in both of them. Is it time to give up on them? Uh, I don't know if that's the case yet. And then Shaq Lawson being uh, back in the fold for another season, you have that security blanket behind him. So it, it's kind of funny when we talk about the, the defensive line because, yes, they were handled uh, in the playoff loss against Cincinnati, but I really don't get the impression that the Bills believe that they need to make many changes to this unit going forward at least into this year now maybe that's something where you can take a late round flyer like you said or a mid-round flyer but i don't get the sense that this is the year that the bills feel like they need to make a big investment at d-line and, and a big reason is because of the prior investment and because of the needs that they have throughout their roster I'll never say never. I'll, I'll repeat that a million times on this show. I'll never say never. If the right guy drops to the right spot, I'm okay with the Bills making an investment. But you know how I kind of go with this, Kev. There's some people that do these draft shows that will talk about 20 prospects that they've only seen play once or twice, and they'll talk about how this guy is so much better than this guy when it's really just an echo chamber 
of people on social media and YouTube videos sharing the same thing. Really, do we know how much better prospect B is from prospect D, especially when we're getting into the third, fourth, fifth round? Most of us are just grasping at straws, if we're being honest. I know a lot of people are going to try to talk intelligently about it. I just don't buy into that, Kev, um, quite frankly. I'm not saying you can't have a, a favorite prospect or a guy that you like. Obviously, we were fans of Isaiah Likely last year from Coastal Carolina, the tight end, because we had seen him against UB and we had seen some of the things he did. But when it comes to the end right now, I don't think the Bills have to make uh, a massive change at that position. Uh, if you want to take a flyer, go ahead. But I don't think it's necessary at this point in time. It's not a day one, day two uh, issue in my mind. Fair enough. I I agree. One guy I wanted to bring up real quickly, though, was Lonnie Phelps. Uh, seven sacks last year. He has a lot of versatility. He can stand up if you want to do some some different things with him. Could be ranked as an outside linebacker in some in some capacity, but an edge rusher, a guy that I really like in the fifth round. So let's let's look out for Lonnie Phelps. He's a guy that has got motor. He's got process driven through him. Uh, I like his bend. I like his wiggle. I like what he's able to do rushing. Can I address this too quick, if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, as far as Walter, I his comments saying, I don't know how you can lose in the manner that we did struggling to get pressure against backups and come away with the idea that we don't need to change much on the D line. My answer to that is we all know the NFL is a matchup driven league. What you do against one opponent does not, is not the same as what you do against other opponents. Cincinnati went into that game with a quick passing attack. The elements were actually in their favor because it helps. They know 100%. what they're doing, helps them with their footing. And let's not, forget the bills did not have daquan jones that game they did not have von miller that game jordan phillips was playing hurt or we were forced to give time to guys like settle yes oliver's been not living up to expectations but we were having to over rely on guys that were in spots that they probably shouldn't have been in in that game yes do we need to improve the defensive line yes but if you look at the defensive line as a whole and you actually go based on a seasonal approach and not just a one-game approach, the defensive line is not horrible. They were decent against the good. It's a good their, defensive their line. Their pass rush is – it's not great, but it's certainly average at worst. And you also look at how things changed when Von Miller was out of the fold. When Von Miller went down, that's when everything changed for the defensive line. Von Miller is healthy. Who knows what it, what they would have been? Now, we we have that uncertainty of we don't know what type of Von Miller we're going to get when he comes back. But with his contract, the Bills can't. The Bills basically have to rely on him and hope that he's somewhat himself coming forward. With the recent draft picks, with them investing in Boogie, with them investing in AJ Epineza and Gregory Rousseau, they're not in a position to allocate a ton of resources to fixing the O-line, I mean the D-line, when they still have other positions that they need to attack and improve uh, overall. So, yes, I understand the way they lost against Cincinnati and the way they, they played in some of those big games was unacceptable. But I'm a very long-term based guy. I look at the results of the whole as opposed to just one or two games, and that's why I believe the D-line isn't, the end of the world right now. I'm not as fans. Sometimes it's okay to accept that they're not going to be a top five unit. You can't be great at every part of your team. 
And just because you invest a first round pick in a guy doesn't mean that they're going to instantly come in and be a star either. And I, I might be higher on Greg Rousseau than most. I think him being healthy for a full year, he's really going to be an impact player this year as well. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, Walter. Um, not saying can't happen, but I am a little bit higher on this D-line overall, assuming that Von Miller comes back somewhat himself. Daquan Jones plays close to the level he was last year, and Ed Oliver brings it in a contract season. And I don't think they're done at defensive end. They have some moves up their sleeves with restructures they can always do. It's still not done. Like A lot of things can happen from now until September. Bean is constantly looking to add players such as like the scenario with Hopkins just become available, whether they're cut, traded, whatever it might be. And that could be a position that they target if they can get somebody at that one uh, come May 3rd, that the money doesn't matter, but someone that they could get around that $2 million that wants to come in and be, you know, the best versions of themselves and play on a competitive um, Super Bowl hopeful type of a team. So to me, that's more what you're looking for. I don't think it's done yet, but I don't know that you're going to sink a first round draft choice, try to develop him at this stage. I think you have a ton of different elements to the defensive end room. And it was really good. It wasn't just good. It was really good. When Von Miller was healthy, you paid a guy a hundred million dollars to be good. That's my opinion. Don't forget guys like Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, Yannick Ngakwe, Bud Dupree. These are some premier uh, defensive ends in this league that are still on the market that we're forgetting about just because free agency on the timesheet has hit a month now. Frank Clark doesn't mean that Jadavian Clowney, that these guys are washed. That whole slew of guys aren't washed. Um, There is some talent there to be had. And if the Bills want to go that route with it, they will. But if you want to talk draft just for a second, Carl Brooks, aforementioned from Bowling Green, a guy that was really good at the Senior Bowl, 12 sacks last year, absolutely dominated the MAC. Talked about in similar ways that we talked about Isaiah Likely at the tight end position last year. I'm going to talk about Carl Brooks. I have the chance to see him play in many MAC games. I always thought he was the best player on the field for a Bowling Green Falcons team. Uh, career 22 sacks. He had 49 hurries last year that's absurd that translates that's not a dude that just got lucky playing in the mac beat some bad offensive linemen got 10 sacks whatever 49 hurries translates that's a lot of hurries um so he's a guy i'm watching hovering right in the third round right now think he could be fourth even that's where i'm i'm studying a guy like carl brooks the bills put a lot of stock into what they were able to do at the senior bowl i thought he played pretty well you know, played outside of the tackle for 387 snaps, played over the tackle for 231 snaps. So he's pretty versatile, played a little bit even in the B gap at times. So he's a versatile guy um, that plays both pass and run really good against the run too. 300 run snaps last year. Um, so he's definitely someone I'm targeting uh, as that could be a, a pure big defensive end that can do a lot of different things. Uh, that he isn't just your small guy that's going to get pushed around. This is a guy that can do everything. So watch out for Carl Brooks. And I hope he stays away from the AFC East because he just has flashes to me and reminds me of guys like other Mac stars, like a, like a Crosby from Eastern Michigan. Uh, so I am fully all in on, on, on Carl Brooks. If you want to really get into it, the bills actually had a virtual meeting with Derek Hall, another name to be aware of. Where does he go? That's going to be interesting in comparison, 28 hurries, eight sacks, been pretty productive in his career another defensive end i really do enjoy will he go too early for me probably 
But if he doesn't, he's definitely a guy I'm targeting in the same. I have him similar range as Carl Brooks. Where does he actually go? So Carl Brooks on PFS 80, Derek Hall's actually 81. I'm just using them as a neutral source here, just on their big board. In these specific cases, I don't have that too far off. I think that they're both third to fourth round values. Derek Hall, I've seen crazily in the first, um, and then I've seen him in the fourth. So like Mike, back to our original point, we don't really know where these guys are, but these are two names that I like, neither of which do I want in the top 50 though. So that's kind of, that's kind of a, a couple of names that I'm looking for in this draft. I think Carl Brooks is a natural fit in this defense an aggressive defense who can do everything. They want him on the field on run snaps. He's who I'm targeting fully. Uh, but Derek Hall to me can, can get it done. Six, three, two fifty four uh, from, from, from a hall six, four, three hundred. mighty nice to me, Mike. Uh, yeah. I really like what Carl Brooks can do. And, and Bean has shown he's not opposed to having Mac players on this no. roster. You look at, at the bills, they're full of them. You got Reggie Gilliam, you got Tommy Doyle, Cam Lewis, uh, and it goes on and on. Uh, the, I'm forgetting his name right now. The Bills' uh, second tight end uh, out of Toledo. So uh, Quentin Morris, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a bunch of Mac guys on the on the Bills. So uh, I wouldn't hold it. Uh, I, it's definitely a possibility the Bills could add a guy like him uh, to this unit. Yeah, I'm thinking of this unit with Max Crosby, and that's all I can get my hand uh, my head around. And I have similar vibes to to Carl Brooks. So he's definitely someone I had highlighted all of his stats uh, for this show uh, because pretty excited to see if uh, where he goes. And I hope that it's not like, like with likely who ended up being pretty good in Baltimore. We'll see where he's, what he's able to do, but I'm highlighting for this edition, Carl Brooks. We'll see where he ends up uh, here in just uh, on uh, over, just over two weeks. Um, one last defensive. And before we go to everyone's favorite linebacker position here to, to kind of continue to show, what uh, well, it's a good transition actually. If Ivan Pace, a guy that was much talked about in the cover one uh, discussions, Ivan Pace, where does he end up as a true linebacker? Is he a true edge? Uh, he's a guy that I'm, you know, I'm super focused. And if they can utilize him right, he can do a lot of different things. He can rush a passer really well. As uh, he can, you know, play some stand up linebacker. Can he cover? did 267 coverage snaps, but that's probably not where his specialty is. That's why it would be a challenge to see him as a stand-up linebacker in this, in this scheme, but 90, uh, 90 run grade, 93 pass rush grade, really encouraging that what you could, you know, see how you could use Ivan pace. He's 5'10, 240. Uh, so you got to figure out how you would utilize that. You know, does he kind of remind you of a Von Miller in that kind of, in that kind of body style, uh, it's definitely a pretty interesting player that I'm keeping my eye uh, fully on um, a guy that's done everything in, uh, in Cincinnati uh, for uh, if he was a little bit taller, could cover a little better, be a first round pick. So he's definitely someone I'm keeping my eye on uh, in the fourth round as well. So watch out for where Ivan pace uh, ends up. I don't think he's going to be your natural transitional linebacker that the bills are looking for in this, but he's definitely someone that, I'd like to see if he's utilized right is going to be a difference maker in this, uh, in this defense. Um, and I think someone like McDermott could do so. And then those, those 20 sacks from Lonnie Phelps still jump out to me as a fourth round pick as well. So we'll see um, where Lonnie ends up, but 282 rush snaps, um, you know, 253 against the run, uh, pretty good rush, uh, pass rush uh, win rate, 18.9%. He won 22 hurry. So, for, for reference, my guy Carl Brooks had double 
the the hurries that uh, Lonnie Phelps had, but I, I really do like Lonnie Phelps. So those are just a couple of defensive end names uh, that I'm pretty excited about in the middle rounds. We focus on the middle rounds with DT and now yeah. D end. Uh, so you can kind of see we're thinking D line in the middle of this draft is really what I, where I put these guys tight ends, another position that I'd like to be targeted in the middle of rounds. They're bringing in some tight ends, So we'll see how that plays, but those are the three that I'm looking at from three to five. That's I'd like to see it spread out DTD end at tight end, right? Uh, those would be the three positions I target there. You know, it's in the first round, like receiver, but uh, that's, that's, that's another show that we're, we're going to say receiver for, I'm going to keep throwing in receiver when I can. But what does that leave left? It's linebacker. And where does that leave that in Kevin's ranking pool in the second round? That's really what I've always said. That's really what I want to get done. And it's time for some linebacker discussion. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But first, this show has been brought to you by Sons of Erie. www.instagram.com slash Sons of Erie. Their world-famous bocce tournament with plenty of players is coming in June. Uh, and it's going to be a hoot. Uh, stay stay with us next week with Tommy Doyle. We'll be bringing you some updates and news from that bocce tournament of, of updates that he'll have about how that'll go. So make sure you tune in next week live here on the uh, Going Deep podcast with Tommy um, as we do the offensive line show too next week. Makes sense. Linebacker, Mike, this is one you said that you're feeling pretty comfortable gets addressed. I'm not as comfortable with it. So I want to get your reaction here from this unit. Um, and we're going to start at the top. Are you feeling like this is where they're going to go 27? Are you kind of off that? Where, where do you lie on now as you look at the glaring hole at the linebacker position? I'm back and forth on this every week. I, I went on a rant last week saying I don't want the Bills to, to reach on a linebacker at 27 when a lot of these guys are second-round grades. And then Eric had to remind me that what's really the big difference between being a mid-second-round grade and going at 27 overall. So Eric talked a little sense into me. He said it's not the end of the world that the Bills go linebacker at 27. I thought about it a little bit. I'm not against it. Uh, I'm, I was definitely more against it last week. But when you do think about it a little bit, it is a pretty weak class overall. The Bills do have a big need at linebacker. This would be one of the ways to fix that by taking someone at 27. Uh, I don't believe it has to happen at pick 27. I'm okay with the second round if if you feel confident one of your guys will fall to 59 or if you think you can make a move up to the middle of the second round to, to snatch one of these guys. But 
there's three guys that are really getting talked a lot um, at the linebacker position that are getting connected to the Bills. Obviously, Jack, him, Mike. Right Jack Campbell him. is the guy that everyone, all Bills fans are in love with right now. Obviously, the Iowa uh, connection, Sean McDermott loves Iowa football players. You have the Luke Keekley uh, connection. So you look at Jack Campbell, it's an easy one to connect the dots right off the bat. But to me, it seems a little bit too obvious uh, at times uh, with Jack Campbell. There are certain things about him that wouldn't be great in the NFL. Yes, he, uh, he has decent instincts. Yes, he was tremendous at Iowa. But he is on a little bit of the slower side. And some coverages could be difficult for a guy like that. He ran a 4.6540. I don't know. There, there's certain reasons not to think that that should be your first-round pick at 27. Uh, other names that uh, people have been bringing up a lot lately are guys like Drew Sanders and Trenton Simpson. Uh, I think both of those could have um, could be possibilities as well. Now, I think a lot of fans would be upset if the Bills took those guys in the first round. But you look at Trenton Simpson out of out of Clemson. You're talking about an athlete. You're talking about a guy that uh, ran a 440 and a, a 4.43. So speed. He has the the ability to keep up with some of the the faster players in coverage. You look at a Drew Sanders who kind of came on the scene this year in the SEC, has the ability to get to the quarterback uh, pressure guys. So what direction are they going to go? Will one of those three guys be the first-round pick? I think a lot just depends on what's on the board at 27. Uh, one thing that you and I have said on our show a lot is a lot of times fans, and obviously we're fans too, so we're not immune to this, uh, we fall in love with, a player or two and we believe oh if he's there at this pick the bills have to take him when in reality the bills aren't looking at one or two players they have a cluster of players that they're okay with at pick 27 and obviously they have a ranking this guy who the top is in that group of players and whoever's available when they pick is who they're going to go with the top rated player at the time so I still, I know we're not getting to wide receiver today, but there's a few wide receivers where if they're available at 27 and you're comparing it to a linebacker like Trenton Simpson or Drew Sanders or Jack Campbell, I think they would go with the wide receiver, depending on who it is. Like if a Jackson Smith and Jigbo was at, in play, which I know isn't going to happen, I don't think they have a question. I think they go with Jackson Smith and Jigbo right. overtaking the linebacker. Right. But I, I really just think it's it depends on how the board plays out. If it's Addison versus Jordan Addison versus a Jack Campbell, which way do they go? If somehow Zay Flowers falls down to twenty seven, they're saying he's receiver one, Mike. Yeah, they're saying, Does, they're saying he's receiver one. I mean, they're saying he's receiver one, and then we're hearing reports that NFL teams think there's only one first round receiver. <laughs> I mean, so, Flowers. So, <laughs> If, if it is Flowers, then does that mean Jackson Smith and Jigba is yeah. a guy that could fall down? Could Quinton Johnson fall down to 27? If he falls down to 27, then you have a really serious question on hand because you have a guy that could be an outside receiver with elite speed, has size. Where Are you, are you really going to get that at a, a late first-round pick most of the time? Probably not. So I do think there's a lot of questions at hand because you're really – for us to mock – a linebacker to the bills right now is basically saying the receivers that we really like, we don't believe are going to fall to them. So at that point in time, you're, 
taking what you have a limited amount available to you. And then you can take that second round receiver and a Josh Downs or someone else later on. But if one of those top two guys, top three guys is available, then I think you do have that question. Do we take the linebacker? Do we take the receiver? What if a Darnell Wright has an improbable drop to 27? Could you, would he be in play? So he's got to stop sliding into DMs. Yeah. So uh, there is a lot that goes into it. And I think sometimes these mock drafts make it oversimplified where, where we think it's easy. I, I think you just looking at the, the betting markets right now, you look at a lot of teams and there's a definitive, they have to go this position or it's a 60, 30. You look at the bills betting market right now and take it for what it's worth. Wide receiver is the odds on favorite for them followed by uh, basically linebacker and offensive line. And it's not like a 60-20-20. It's like a 40-30-30. So it's wide open right now. But I I do want to talk about some of these linebackers that I addressed because I I think any of those three would be suitable for, for the Bills to go after in this draft. Yeah, without, well, so when you talk about linebacker, you got to talk about positional strength and versatility and value, right? Asset value. And we talk about this at running back, and it seems to be approved to be able to talk about a linebacker. Or, excuse me, at running back. Well, you don't take a first-round running back. You put a line in the sand. Well, what pick is okay to take a running back? Is that 33? Is that okay? Is 31 okay? Um, we put these lines in the sand at what you can do at running back, right, all the time. Linebacker is an interesting one. So if you're of that camp, I'm not. But if you're of that camp, then you need to do the same thing at linebacker. You need to you need to be on the same camp that linebacker isn't that super dupe minus the, the the real chameleons and, and the real unicorns in someone like uh, Tremaine Edmonds and a few of the top top end guys. You need to remember they're like the running back of the of the of the room. So to me, then I want it to be consistent with someone that says like running back shouldn't be taken top 30 top 25 um it, it to me can be addressed and i think especially in this draft where you're hoping someone's there in the second round always seems to jump out for me at the linebacker position because i think that's where value meets um the players meets demand all that kind of smushes together in the 40s and 50s i would be more apt to see a couple linebackers go in the bills like saying hey we got to come up a little bit to get the guy the last guy um, than I would reaching on who they would perceive to be their first. Now the word reach is bad because like Eric said, the difference between where Campbell and Simpson are ranked is probably fractions of a difference between maybe even, you know, whoever it is that might be there, Darnell Wright even, or, or, or Jackson Smith and Jigba or whatever, whoever it might be is fractions of percentages, depending on who to who uh, difference. Now, I do think, though, that you can play the board smart, though, just because guys have the same value. Who can you get in the second round, though? Are you more likely to get a linebacker or are you more likely to get Jackson Smith and Jigba in the second round? I do think that regardless of where the grade says, you need to play a little little bit of Tetris. You need to play a little bit of of, of Jenga. Yeah, I mean, you need to, to know like how this all goes together. It isn't just a matter of yay, like the grades are all the same. Like there's really no reaching. That's true. They probably are similar. However, you need to actually play the other teams. You need to see how many, how many of the, this group of players can you get in your draft? That's your number one thing you need to come out of. You need to come away with a couple of these guys in the, in this range. And in order to do that, 
you need to select the right one first. So that, how do you do that? Well, I'm assuming that you would, that you would think receiver has a higher positional, you know, value than linebacker running back, whatever to take in the first round, because these guys are expensive. You get a fifth year option. Who is more important to have the fifth year option. To me, it's a receiver that's going to get paid $25 million. Then it's going to be a linebacker outside of Tremaine Edmonds. All of them got nothing this year, nothing single digits. It's not that, it's not overly important to slap that guy with the fifth year option. That's the benefit to 27. Um, now what you could say like, okay, well that seems pretty straight up. Like that's, that's, that's what it should be. Anyone's going to always argue you can get your receiver in the second Robert Woods. You can get those kind of players in the second round, you know, you know, your pickings of the world, you, you know, you can find guys that you can get later because everyone kind of likes their own guy. I just think like, yes, this isn't, I, I, I tend to agree. Like you can find a receiver a little bit later. If you're picking in the top 10, you need to secure other things most likely. However, it's kind of like my mindset with running back at receiver. You need to make sure that you select in the tier one. And I think the bills will have their tier one set and they've kind of shown their hand with who they might think are in, is in that tier one. I think you need to come away with one of them. They're all unlikely to be on the board in the second round. Sure. You could like Michael Wilson. Sure. You could like, um, you know, Jaden, Josh, Brown, Reed, Josh Downs, Josh Downs. I, I, I think mean, one, sure. Yeah. One reason why the, the pro linebacker people are what they are. We already mentioned they don't believe in the depth of this class. So they're worried about not getting a starter or a high-end guy uh, on this team. And they're worried about the hole because they're not sure how the Bills would address it if they don't get one of these guys in the first, second round via free agency or, or whatever else. I think the one point that they also are making, though, is that they are not believers in this year's wide receiver class. A lot of them would tell you that outside of maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba, that this is not a class that has that top-end elite ability. So they would say, well, what's really the difference between drafting Jack Campbell, who's a reach, or then taking an Addison or someone else in the first round who they don't value as a first-round wide receiver? Then they look at the guys that you can get in the second round, and they're like, well, what's really the big difference between who you're going to get in the second round and who you're going to get in the first round. If this was a draft for another year where you have a Justin Jefferson available in the 20s, uh, if you have some of these other guys that could be impact receivers in the 20s, that might have people feeling differently. I think where you and I disagree with the, the pro linebacker people in this conversation is that we actually believe that an Addison or Zay Flowers or Jackson Smith and Jigba if any of those three guys or even a Johnson um, available at 27 could be impact players for the bills and could fill uh, a solid role. So that's probably why we are a little bit more open to wide receiver in the first round compared to people that would want to draft a linebacker in, in my response to the, the pro linebacker people, because I, as I've said, I'm not against it is if this was a draft that had a deep group of linebackers. I know this changes everything, what I'm about to ask. But if this was a solid group of linebackers, would Jack Campbell even have any first-round consideration? Probably not. It's a tough if, one. Would Trenton Simpson, would um, – No, no. Would Drew Sanders? I don't believe so. So, really, you answer that question, and then you start to, to put together – 
are you really want to draft a person that you think is a second round, maybe even possibly a second late second round talent at 27, just because you have a need there. So that's kind of the issue I have. Jack Campbell with the bills having a defense that prioritizes being able to defend in the nickel coverage. Do we really think that Jack Campbell is going to be a guy that will come in and just fit in perfectly with his speed, with his speed or lack thereof? I'm not saying he wouldn't be good in other facets, but we've been a lot of people have been talking like oh it's just a perfect fit i don't know if it is a perfect fit we're tying a lot of things together like the iowa connection the luke keekley connection and we're falling in love with it because we're assuming that the bills are going to value their nepotism and and friends over what they see with their eyes um and I'm not saying that it can't happen. Jack Campbell will be a good NFL player. I have no doubt about it. So I'm not going to be against it. But I'm I'm just not buying that he's a perfect player for them at at 27 at this point in time. I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you. I think that that the, also we talk about this attack on just like I was just calling out the people at running back who put up this grade in the sand 32. You can't take, you can't take that running back. If you don't even think about taking a generational B John Robinson or even Brees Hall or Kenneth walk. You don't, don't you dare at 27, take that player third. But, but when you cross this threshold of whatever it is, you tell me that I'm allowed to take that running back. It's okay. Same thing goes in linebacker. Okay. You better have that same kind of mentality at linebacker. But equally, what I'm saying is I have to bring up the fact that, like, like for me, I don't believe in those thresholds. So I can't sit here and say you can't take a linebacker. Like, you can't do that this early in this draft. There's a gaping hole for the Bills at this linebacker position. There really is. I'm not a Terrell Dodson fan. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Um, but how, much, I, I how important, though, would linebacker be to this defense? Because let, let's be real. Everybody's talking about – I see the comment from – uh, T Dobbs here. I just want to bring it up. They're not getting an equal or better linebacker than Tremaine Edmonds at this point. You get Jack. Campbell well, how much better is he than Dodson? Is the more the question? Is the new linebacker going to so, be than Terrell Dodson? I, I guess that's my point. Like, if the whole defense around you is better because you have Micah Hyde healthy, you have Jordan Poyer healthy, you have Rap available, you have packages. Yeah, Von Miller back. You you add. Uh, a few guys through free agency is linebacker really going to hold them back if they don't have a star if they have an adequate middle pack player is that going to hold this this defense back i don't think so uh, just being honest like if we're talking about line and i know you just said you don't agree with this and and i don't agree with this 100 but if we're going to say that linebackers are like the running back of the draft you never take one in the first round well then how are we supposed to believe that a first round linebacker is really going to make a tremendous difference uh, on this team. And I, I do want to address one other thing. We've seen a lot of Devin White comments uh, today on the show because the rumors out of Tampa that he's requested a trade. I don't have super strong opinions, but I do want to share what Eric has and I have discussed, same with Kev. He doesn't really fit what the Bills are trying to do defensively. He is more of a line of scrimmage type linebacker the us at cover one don't really believe he would really make sense for the bills given his salary and given what his strengths are 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't see it happening. I know some people want to connect the dots. They, they're hoping that the Bills would attack it because he is uh, a name linebacker, but I don't really think that would be a smart idea. Are you going to give him $16 million? Like, you just didn't give Tremaine that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just have paid um, Tremaine Edmonds and gotten up to the number. I guess you could do maybe more finagling. You get the third-round comp pick for Edmonds. You know, I guess you could play chess that way, get the third-round pick and White. You know, White, I don't know what he would cost in the trade market. Is he the right fit? I, I just – all the factors together don't really make much sense. If he was cut and fully available, came at your price, I think that could hold more water. But at the 11, like the dad Oliver number, you want another Ed Oliver number guy that you're going to have to re-sign. I'm assuming Tampa wants something for him. Um, you know, the combination factor doesn't make that too, too likely. It's more likely that they go a cheaper veteran route that someone that's cut later or someone that's in the market still in the free agency. Like we just kind of talk, I talked about there's, there's still some decent defensive ends. Um, you know, there might be something like that, that pops out to the bills at the linebacker position. And I really am thinking about linebacker in a way of they drafted Bernard. Can they get fidgety and play him somehow? I like Bainland Spectre. I like both of them. Are they going to play? You drafted these guys into the cupboard for a reason. You can't, now not want to play those guys. So the bill, it's probably on the back of the bill's mind. Like, Hey, how do we get some of our young rookies from last year who are on good contracts to play in this defense so that we can utilize this pick elsewhere um, and put other players in the cupboard. Um, so I think that that's what you have to, to think about when it comes to like someone they've already drafted. And I'm not a Dodson fan at all, but I think the team, just like they like, like I'm, I'm pretty consistent saying I believe the team likes Spencer Brown. I'm going to get Tommy Doyle's opinion on this next week on what he thinks the offensive line looks like. Um, but I think they like Spencer Brown more than me and you do, or more than the, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with him. I think more than the average fan does. Um, I do believe that that could be a little bit of the case at the linebacker room where they might like the combo of rap playing some more sub packages in the, in a thick dime. They might like more combos of, of um, Dodson, Bernard, Inspector, more than that's Chad does, or more than we're talking about being the number one need. The Bills may or may not agree with that. Um, so that's what's interesting here is they definitely don't tipping their hands that they're going to go ahead and take one at twenty seven. I don't disagree with the take of let's draft, let's play our drafted players, let's see what they can do in this defense. If he's bad or he's got a whole entire really good defense behind him, some of the best DBs in the league, you have two of the best safety combos, you got the best, uh, an MVP linebacker next to you. 
You got an MVP defensive end in front of you when Von Miller plays. You got a growing Russo. We'll see what Oliver is. You got Trey White being an all-pro too. Like you have these defensive players near you. I think those players can elevate it. We certainly know Mike last year having two all-pro linebackers and nothing else on the defense didn't do anything. So conversely, I think the opposite factor could be true in the draft or this year where I think those guys can elevate Spectre, whereas it didn't matter if you had Edmonds and Milano in the playoffs last year. They just didn't have enough talent. It was just too thin. Those linebacker, high-end MVP linebackers, didn't elevate the rest of the defense enough to matter in that game. The offense didn't play good either. But um, ultimately, I'd like to see what the rest of the defense can do elevating this spot. But that doesn't mean I don't want to address it. I just don't want to force address. I don't want him to, to miss out on a receiver – Maybe it's tight end. Maybe it's, maybe it is a different position that they're eyeing, but I don't want to miss out on that because you're forced to take a linebacker that early. A guy that isn't really talked about much that could be a name to look out for is Diane Henley uh, from Washington state. He's a guy that is liked PFF likes him. Actually, I think PFF thinks that he's their top linebacker. He's good in coverage. He's definitely fairly good in, in, in run. He can rush the passer. Um, he played kind of in the box most of his career at stand-up linebacker. Uh, so he's definitely 6'2", 225. Uh, converted receiver, um, who's – it's a pretty interesting uh, story, be about a second rounder. He's more of a will in my opinion, but we'll see where Henley ends up. He's another name I don't hear talked about too much. PFF thinks he's the the top linebacker. Uh, he's a twitchy, t- twitchy guy that does win um, getting into the backfield. So he cover a lot of ground. Uh, he can improve in his zone. So we'll see if that would fit for this defense. Um, but he's definitely um, really free runaway guy that can, can get to the ball carrier. So he's um, certainly going to be able to, to, to make it in the next level. We'll see if it can, he can be a fit in this specific defense. Drew Sanders has the most physical tools, most, the most potential, but kind of like a Tremaine Edmonds mold, six four two forty, a guy that, you know, second round pick, he, he can blitz, um, he can, he's a great blitzer. So talk about getting that, that boost at the blitzing, uh, um, off ball linebacker. Um, so and he's we'll the guy see. that you're seeing really mocked to the yeah. bill more often than Jack. Cause of the rawness, the mold play. You're right. Sometimes I wonder, we, I, I hate this word, but when we're talking about echo chambers and, and group think, when you're on social media, you're surrounded by Bills fans. A lot of Bills fans are saying the same stuff. They're repeating the same stuff. And then they're saying the same stuff to their family, their friends. And next thing you know, we're all saying the same few things. But when I've been looking at national perspectives on the Bills, it's been much different than what the local people that I know have been saying. So sometimes you trust the local guys. Sometimes you trust the national guys. I'm seeing Drew Sanders mock to the Bills a lot more than I'm seeing Jack Campbell. Um, and you're talking SEC guy, kind of more of a ball of clay. He's only been playing the position, I believe, for one year, Kev, if, if I'm correct. And then Trenton yeah, Simpson. He was, a, he was an edge, yeah. And then Trenton Simpson, that's another guy that very athletic, very quick. It, it really comes down to what do the Bills really want out of, that, out of linebacker? Do they want someone that – is going to be one of the better cover linebackers or do they want somebody that's going to be more traditional and be able to do uh, play in all aspects? Yes. We know that they've lacked in certain areas in the past, but the way the bills defense is typically run, I'm going to assume coverage is more important than some of the other things because you're you need to find a way to stop Pat Mahomes 
and Joe Burrow. And I don't think you're going to beat those without linebackers that have the ability to cover a good part, portion of the field. So, A guy that if you're thinking about coverage that they, they say could be a potential man coverage heavy um, tight end eraser is Trenton Simpson. Um, he can be that you can flip over to the slot and cover people there, kind of like we saw from Edmonds. Um, you know, if you're at, asking him to do a lot of match run concepts, uh, he can be kind of kind of tricked there, but he's an easy mover and he's able to Kevin, really. Mel Kuyper had Trenton Simpson 27 to the Bills in I his mean... latest mock draft, mock draft today. I know a lot of Bills fans would be, I, I would be livid. If Trenton is the pick at 27, because they'll look at where he's graded, they'll be like, but Jack Campbell. But you know what, Kev? He he four four three for a linebacker in the 40 isn't just fast. That's blazing fast. That's quicker than wide receivers. That's running back speed. <laughs> uh, a guy like that it would would be very good. As far as coverage, he can. He has the smooth hips. He has the range. I, I know everybody is in love with Campbell, but what I'm getting from gathering from a national perspective is that a lot of these national guys think that that Simpson or Sanders could be in play. And if you think if if it really is Simpson that the Bills would be in love with, mm-hmm. do you have to take him in the first round to get him? That's my point. That's what I was just gonna say. I think producer AJ, you know, is asks all the time like hey you can get your receiver that you want later in the draft why why is that not true at linebacker like if, if you look at linebacker even more a position that doesn't have as much value as receiver you can get someone like you just said simpson there in the second round i think that that's true i think that the bills the reason they're not bringing in linebackers on visits is because they're trying to find maybe their first round pick or a late round pick and generally where you might not need visits is in the day in the day two range the Henleys, the Campbells, the Sanders, the Trenton Simpson, there's four names right there. And if you Based... know one of them will fall to 59, you right. can still then get the higher upside position and value in the first round. And RJ, I love you. <laughs> I respect most of what you say. I don't agree with this. Yes, the national media ignored the bills for two decades. But let me ask you, how many times has a local reporter broken anything about the bills in the last two decades? Hardly ever, guys. The, the local media... Granted, I was a wannabe local media and never made it to that point, so maybe this comes off as sour grapes. But the national guys have the sources. The local guys typically don't. Outside of Tim Graham, John Warrow, and maybe Sal, the local guys don't really break these stories. So I, 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 know, I think everybody right now is grasping at straws. I don't really believe anybody really has a clue which direction the Bills are going. But if you look at the top 30 visits, obviously Bean has a track record of kind of being um, following those lists often, the Bills are definitely targeting wide receivers. Like we we've seen the visits there. Um, we'll we'll have to see about linebackers and different things like that. But uh, it's going to be interesting, Kevin, because I I have not seen a draft in quite some time where there has been so much uncertainty about what the Bills will do going into the draft. I know last year we were pretty pretty sold the Bills were going to take a corner in the first round. Uh, we thought maybe there's a possibility they could reach out on Brees Hall or someone, but we felt pretty confident that corner would be the pick. Previous years, even when they took Greg Rousseau, a lot of people thought they might go running back, ETN, or um, go Najee Harris. 
this draft, I, I, I have a feeling that no one has really an idea, but maybe Brandon's being in the bill scouting staff themselves. Uh, I, I continue to see different guys, different positions on a weekly basis. And I, I feel like we're going to head into draft night having no idea who that guy is going to be at 27. I feel pretty good about receiver and we'll talk about it in two weeks from today. Kevin, if you're right, I, I, I'll go with you. I, I have no I idea. I just think there's too many tells just like there was at cornerback. I think they're bringing in everyone possible from Tank Dell to, you know, Smithing Jigba to uh, Jalen Hyatt. So Jordan Addison, they're pretty much bringing in any type of receiver they're looking for. Uh, they like those small fidgety twitch, twitch guys that can get opening and that Josh can see and find in a pinch. Um, so I think that that's a really good way to help out Josh Allen um, is to bring in his receiver. I think they like this offensive line. The interior of the offensive line is loaded with players. There's not enough players to keep on the interior unless you get an absolute rock solid stud. I don't know that that's in this draft. And if he is, he's not going at 27. I don't believe they're doing anything at interior offensive line, anything. Um, I don't think there's a, a, a redundancy to get another developmental right tackle, like, like a Freeland to come in here and, and be a developmental to play against Spencer Brown. If you're going right tackle, you're going a day one start or someone that's rocks out and you're just going to demote Spencer Brown outside of that scenario. I don't see them bringing in a developmental right tackle in the first 90 picks. Anything is on the table on day three. Um, but we're fo solely focusing on the top 90 picks here. So to me, receivers at linebacker, as I've been targeting all offseason, I'm going to stay on it to kind of wrap up our linebacker talk. Second round. I think that that's the round that they go. If they all go, if you want to make a slight move up, I don't think Mike, me, producer AJ, I don't think any of us are going to get overly concerned if they go up to, to select who their linebacker is 10 picks earlier in the second round, give up a little sugar to go and do so. I don't think any of us are going to, he's done it many times. I don't think any of us are going to get too upset uh, if he goes, goes ahead and does that. If he sees one of them go and he's worried about say Sanders goes or something, he's worried about a quick little, little run. Maybe he comes up and gets Campbell or Simpson or Henley uh, to make sure he gets his guy. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, and same thing can be said in the first round. If Jason is their guy, he's the one guy that has the first round grade. The bills could be aggressive to make sure they come up and select him too. So the same thing goes in the first round um, that if there is only one receiver or two that are first round grades, the bills like to come out of the draft with a first round grade. They're not a team that likes to mesh in that 25 to 75 range of just getting a guy that they're all similarly ranked. Maybe they come to get the 24th guy who does have a higher grade than, than one of these guys in the thirties or forties. So maybe it is some JSN, maybe it's Addison. I, you know, we, we don't know where these guys rank on their board. Um, so Linebacker to me, go out and, and secure Simpson, go out and get it done uh, in the second round. Even if Campbell's gone, I think there's, there's a couple ways you can go. And if all those guys are gone, there's no reason to reach on one at any other point in the draft. Mike, is that kind of how you stand? Absolutely. It's really a draft that there's three, four or five guys that are looked at as decent linebackers. And then you go to the, yeah. the later rounds, there's really not a ton of uh, good ability beyond that. So that I get it. Sometimes need forces the issue and makes you go in a direction earlier than what you want. I just don't believe that Brandon Bean is the type of guy that that falls for that. I don't think we all look at it and we see this glaring hole and we're connecting. Oh, that's why they have to draft one high. I don't think Brandon Bean ever wants to be in a position where he has to draft a certain position because of the way things line up, obviously outside of quarterback. So uh, the fact that he hasn't made a move so far this offseason 
that tells me maybe they do feel a little bit better about things or they do have someone in mind and they feel confident that uh, they'll find a way to, to make it work when it's all said and done. Absolutely. Well, we hit the 7.15 hour. I said we're only going to keep everybody an hour and 15. We got the Sabres game going. We really appreciate everyone. I know we're only 15 minutes into our normal time slot in the chat and the, the views get roaring um, right about now. So we really appreciate everybody tuning in. I think we got Ant coming up later to pick up some talk right around toward the end of the Sabres game. Pretty big day for hockey fans. So we wanted to respect that this is probably their final push tonight. Um, so we you know, with all the draft coverage and all the stuff we got coming up and the, you know, Mike and I will be on day three of the draft exclusively while producer AJ at the draft all weekend. Um, you know, we'll have, we'll be on a pregame show on day two. So watch out for our pregame show, kind of recapping who's left, what they did, what they could be doing, where they're targeting, what they need to do to secure someone in this range that we're talking about tonight when the linebacker range potentially, uh, live on the pregame show, uh, Two weeks and two days from today will be uh, – two, three days from today. Two weeks and three days from today will be on Friday. Um, uh, and then we'll also probably be on throughout day two as well. I think the Air Raid generally uh, likes to do their day one stuff. So we'll be with you day two and day three here at the Going Deep Podcast on the Cover One Sports Network. Um, producer AJ in the background, pr- pr- uh, pr- appreciate you. We got Sons of Erie. Thank you, Sons of Erie. We got Tommy Doyle next week. We got receiver talk in two weeks. We got a, a loaded show, so we'll let everybody get out. Any of the joint Bills, Sabres fans, we're respectful of that. Um, so, sorry for the push-up. We'll be back at you at the normal time slot next week, 7 o'clock. Please smash the like button for all you guys listening on demand. Please, thumbs up. Leave us uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But, from the Going Deep Podcast, I'm Kevin Masseri. That's Mike Bunt, producer AJ. And Sons of Erie, www.instagram.com, Sons of Erie. We'll be back with Tommy Doyle here uh, next week at 7 p.m. We'll catch you next week. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down, now I just want to talk about this championship level. I never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season, so he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. When someone is hurt in a truck accident, the one question everyone has is why did this terrible collision happen? To answer that question takes an experienced team of lawyers and experts. Not everyone has this type of experience. At Colombo Law, we are truck injury lawyers. It's what we do every day. When someone is hurt by a truck, 
Colombo Law is the law firm people call to get answers. Hurt by a truck? Call Colombo Law.